his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them, which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And I, I would like, by the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, to preach to you a, a, a word that the Lord has placed in my heart for this, for this day and for you. A message entitled, Things That Are Very Christ. Things That Are Very Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Can we just lift up our voice one more time and ask the blessing of God upon the preaching of His Word? In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank You for this gathering of Your people. And I pray, Lord, that Your Word would go forth and accomplish everything that You have designed it to accomplish. Lord, we stand humble in Your presence, unable to do anything in and of ourselves, knowing, Lord, that with you all things are possible. And we ask in the name of Jesus, oh hallelujah, that your word would touch our hearts and change our lives. Bless us today we pray. I pray for a freedom of the word today. Hallelujah, freedom of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name you'll remove every hindrance, remove every obstruction, every distraction, so that the word can have free course. In the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you in the name of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. After Jesus was born... Joseph and Mary took him to the temple. And the scripture teaches us that when they brought him in, it was, it was time for all that the law had commanded. It was time for those things to occur. When they arrived in the temple, they were just doing as they knew to do, but but there were folks waiting on them. The scripture says that a man by the name of Simeon was directed by the Spirit of God to come to the place where Joseph and Mary were and 
Sometime before this day, it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Ghost that he would not see death until the Lord's Messiah had come. He knew it. He knew that no matter what happens, I, I, I haven't seen the Messiah just yet. So I'm not going to be dying anytime soon. Once the Messiah comes, I can take my rest. But until then, this flu is going to go away. I'm just, I've been told of the Lord that I will live to see the emergence of the Messiah. And when Joseph and Mary walked in that day by the Spirit of the Lord, Simeon had come, he saw the child Jesus and he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And he said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. The Bible says that Joseph and Mary marveled at the words that were spoken over their baby. Not because they did not know who he was. They did. They had been told by angels who this child was. But, but these were, you have to understand, these were private moments with God that they had had. These were personal revelations that the Lord had shown to them that you're going to have a baby and that child's name shall be called Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. But, but those, were, those were moments between them and the Lord. Now all of a sudden they're, they're walking into the temple and here's Simeon, the priest, affirming the same thing. I've been waiting for this day. Lord, now you can let me depart in peace because I have seen the salvation of the Lord. A light to lighten the Gentiles. The glory of your people, Israel. Not only did Simeon say it, but there was a, a very aged woman who spent as much time in the temple as she could, day and night, fasting and praying. And in that moment, she walked in and she heard Simeon say what he said, lifting up the babe in his arms. And Anna was a prophetess and she glorified God because she too was looking upon the long-awaited Christ. Not only did she glorify God, but she went out of the temple. And she told all she could who also had been waiting. Everybody was waiting for Messiah to come. And it was even, it was even of, of greater intrigue in that moment than at any other time. Because it fell upon the timeline prophesied by the prophet Daniel. They knew the time had come. They knew the years had been fulfilled. They understood that the days matched up, that the years were congruent, and they were watching around every corner, listening to every little word spoken, those that were paying attention. And I, I guess I just have to ask, are you paying attention? 
Because he didn't just come one time, he's coming again. I wonder, are you in the temple fasting and praying? Are you searching and seeking and looking and wondering and waiting for the coming of the Lord? Hallelujah. And so she told everybody she could that, that, that the Messiah had come. They had all been waiting. They had been waiting because for hundreds of years, the prophets had been declaring that the Messiah was coming. This was not a secret. This was a reality that Messiah was coming. And they did not just preach that Messiah was coming, but they, they understood and they, they declared that Messiah would bring hope with him. That he would bring peace with him. That he would bring joy and everlasting love. They wanted everybody to know that when Messiah comes, things are going to change. He's going to bring a covenant not on tables of stone, but a covenant that he will place deep within your heart. And they preached it. They cried it aloud. They spared not. They were persecuted, martyred, murdered, wounded, cast into dungeons, cast into pits, ostracized, mocked, ridiculed, cast aside by society. But they cried aloud. And they spared not that Messiah is coming. He will come. He shall come. It will come to pass. They all declared it. Zechariah declared it. And Micah declared it. And Malachi declared it. And Hosea declared it. And Moses and David and Abraham, all of them, in their way, spoke what the Lord had placed within their heart. Each generation had varying prophets rise up saying the exact same thing because they were talking to the exact same God who had one truth. And that truth was that God would be manifest in the flesh and he would come to save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And it was a, it was a well-known message that Messiah would make things that seemed impossible possible. That he would wipe the tears from eyes. He would lift the fallen from their fall. That he would bind up the brokenhearted. That he would heal the sick and he would raise the dead. Hallelujah. He would give sight to the blind. He would give hearing to the deaf. He would mend broken relationships. He would set afire those that were, that were complacent. He would bring new life to those who had dried up and died. He would bring new joy to those who were saddened and sorrowful. This was the consistent message about the Christ who would come. And, and, and they chose unique ways to describe it. Perhaps the, perhaps the most prolific, if I may say so, messianic prophet was the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah is the one who told us, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The increase of his government, there shall be no end. He's the one who told us, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Now, now, now that's, that's, that sounds impossible. 
it actually is impossible. But what they were learning about the message of Messiah was what is impossible to mankind is not impossible to God. And I hope and pray that somebody here today will leave with the understanding that what may be impossible to you and what may be impossible to doctors and what may be impossible to the experts in our world, it is not impossible to God. With God, all things are possible. It was true then, it's true now, and it'll be true forevermore. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah would, would, would speak of different ways to somehow uh, uh, analogize the way that Messiah would come. And he would try to help people understand it. So, so the language he used was he would take, he would take the most desperate and, and difficult and impossible sets of circumstances. And then with word pictures that God would put in his mouth to speak. He would explain how that these difficult, broken, deserted circumstances would all of a sudden be changed. In a moment, it would be changed and the glory of the Lord would be manifest in some unique way. So for instance, in Isaiah chapter 35, he said, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. Listen to what he said about the desert. Now you know about the desert. The desert is barren, the desert is dry, the desert is a place of utter and complete destitution, isolation. People die of dehydration for lack of thirst in the desert. Notice what he said. He said concerning the Messiah and his reign, he said, The desert shall blossom, shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Not only shall it blossom as the rose, it shall blossom abundantly. And rejoice even with joy and singing. Listen to this. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto the desert. The glory of Lebanon were the magnificent cedar trees that the forestation of Lebanon was, was well known and widely praised throughout the ancient world. And here the prophet Isaiah is saying, you know all those postcards you've seen about Lebanon? You know all those websites you've seen about the glory of Lebanon? He said the desert shall be like the glory of Lebanon. That's how the Messiah will operate. The Messiah will come and he will bring with him the glory of, of excellence and abundance and the excellency of Carmel and the excellency of Sharon, the rose of Sharon. It's a, a place of fertile fields and valleys and abundant produce and growth. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. That's why he went on to say, strengthen ye the weak hands, confirm the feeble knees, say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not, behold your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, then shall the lame man leap as in heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing for in the wilderness I'm talking about the wilderness destitute isolated broke 
down, forgotten, abandoned, neglected wilderness shall waters break out. Woo! And streams in the desert. Oh, hallelujah. See, when the Lord comes, that's not a mirage you're seeing in the desert. Hallelujah. If you, when, when the Lord comes, when Christ enters the picture, when you turn it over to Jesus. Can I preach just a little bit this morning? When you turn it over to Jesus, you're going to look up in the middle of your desert and see an oasis. And you're going to think, I know not to run up to it. Because I've seen Bugs Bunny run up to it, and there's nothing there. But we're not talking about Bugs Bunny. We're talking about Jesus. We're not talking about Looney Tunes. We're talking about the life-changing gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's real. It's real. There are streams in this desert. There are waters in this wilderness. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon are given unto the desert places. The dry and the thirsty lands. So he said, I want you to know that when Christ comes, it, it, it's going to be, you're going to see desert places blossom like the rose. When, when, when Christ comes, when, when Christ comes, you're going to see water in the desert and streams in the wilderness. He said, listen to what else he said in the 11th chapter. He said, there's going to come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. He's talking about a perfect man. The measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. And that's what he's making us to be. Oh, hallelujah. I feel your presence, Lord. Thank you for your anointing, Lord. And that shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. He will not reprove after the hearing of his ears. His judgment is perfect. His justice is without equal. He is able to know all things. Hallelujah. He does not go by hearsay. Gossip does not govern how he views a thing. This is why, oh my God, have mercy. This is, oh, I wish I could preach it like I feel it. This is why the woman that was caught in the act of adultery was thrown at his feet. He did not judge her after the seeing of his eyes. And he did not reprove her after the hearing of his ears. He knows all things. He is with quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. The spirit of counsel and might and wisdom and knowledge rest on him. He judged from such a higher law than any of those Pharisees had ever understood. Hallelujah. We're talking about Christ. We're talking about Christ. We're talking about things that are very Christ. Hallelujah. With righteousness shall he judge the poor. Reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. He's different than other kings. He doesn't smite the earth with, the, with a rod of iron. He smites the earth with the rod of his mouth. It's his word that has the power. And with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. It, he doesn't slay the wicked the way a, a normal government or king would. He slays the wicked with the breath of his mouth. It is not by might. It is not by 
power. It is by his spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I'm going to tell you about things that are very Christ. This is, this is like so Christ. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Uh, did you read that? The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. Listen to this. The cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw. Like the ox. The sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. These are deadly creatures, venomous creatures, poisonous creatures, toxic predators. That's what roams the earth. And you know it, the bear. You don't want to mess with a bear. Dear Lord, have mercy. Listen, listen, they might look cuddly and all that. You don't need a real bear hug. Amen. You go, come on, brother, you get that from your wife. Sister, you get that from your husband. You don't need to go find a real bear to get a real bear hug. Bears are predators. They feed themselves. But my Bible is telling me that when Christ comes into this earth and establishes his eternal kingdom, he's going to turn everything around. And there's not going to be any more predators. That's why there will be no murderers up there. There will be no robbers or thieves. There will be no burglars or rapists. You don't have to worry about running into somebody who might do harm to you. A highway shall be there in a way that is called a holiness. None can go up there but the pure in a heart. There is no death there. There is no sadness there. There is no sickness there. There is no sorrow there. Oh, Lord, this, is, this is just like Christ. The wolf laying down with the lamb. Hallelujah, the leopard lying down with the kid. All, all of the predatory instincts. Isaiah is trying to help you understand what it's going to be like when Christ comes. He's going to turn predators into pure people. He's going to take people who have violence in them. And he's going to cleanse them of the violence. And wash them with the blood of the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Take away those violent, angry instincts. And he's going to purify them. Purge them with hyssop and make them clean. Wash them. Hallelujah. And they shall be whiter than snow. He's going to take from the burglar that instinct to steal. And that instinct to not trust God. Listen, you don't have to steal. You just trust God for your daily bread. And he'll provide. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't have to go steal something from somebody else the Lord will provide for you and for me whatever your hand finds to do do it with thy might and trust the Lord it's just this is just man this is just very Christ that the bear and the ox would actually feed together 
Like, it's, it's just so very Christ that the lion would eat straw like the ox. Isaiah said it's, it's like rivers in the desert, streams in the wilderness. He said it's like, it's, like, it's like the wolf starts acting like a lamb. It's like the lion starts acting like the ox. All the predatory behavior is stripped from creation. Isaiah chapter 60, he said it's, let me tell you like this. This is how it's going to be like when, when Messiah comes. He said, imagine you're in total darkness. Imagine you can't see your hand in front of your face. And that you're fearful because you can tell you're in dangerous places. But, but it's dark all around you. You can't see in front of you. You don't know where you're walking. Notice what he said in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1. Arise and shine for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And not just darkness, gross darkness shall cover the people. And when the darkness gets so dark and so gross, so difficult and so, so deadly, the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light. And kings shall come to the brightness of thy rising. I mean, this is just, this is just so Christ. That, 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 that there'd be gross darkness. So dark you don't want to move. So dark you just want to hide away. So dark you're scared about what's around the corner. And then all of a sudden, arise and shine. For thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord, hallelujah, is risen upon thee. Isaiah wasn't the only one that, that talked about the way it's going to be when Christ comes, when Messiah comes. Ezekiel said it this way. He said, let me, let me just say it like this. He said, let's, let's talk about your heart for a minute. He said, your heart is so broken over and so calloused. and It's broken so many times and it's healed the wrong way so often that now it's a, it's a calloused, hardened broken heart that's that's how you are and that's that's how the people in your world are they've got hard hearts he said that's the way it is he said but when messiah comes but when christ comes hallelujah he said a new heart also will i give you Hallelujah. And a new spirit. Thank God will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. He said, let me, let me describe it to you like this. How can I? Let me, let me just tell you what it's going to be like when Christ comes. Let's, 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 let's talk about a heart transplant. You know when one heart won't work and it's giving you all the trouble and, and you, you know you can't survive with this heart that's inside of your chest well when Christ comes it's going to be like he takes that heart out of your chest and he puts a new heart inside of you and gives you new life that's it, that's it, that's a good way to describe it, a heart transplant it's, it's just I don't know, it's just so very Christ to have this broken heart that's faltering and mis, misfiring and dysfunctional. And, and then all of a sudden God anesthetizes me with his grace and his mercy. 
And he removes that old nasty sin-laden heart. And he replaces it with a brand new heart. And my eyes pop open. And I can breathe again. And I can sing again. And I can walk again. And I can live again. And this is a heart that fadeth not away. Joel. Joel did it too. He said, let me see if I can describe this to you so you can understand it. He said, I'm going I'm to come at it from the vantage point of like a farmer. He said, let's say you've got crops, and you cannot get those crops to grow. You plant seed, you water the seed. You, you pray for sunshine, and you can't get anything to grow. And what does grow, the locust eats it up. And the palmer worm destroys it. And the canker worm and the caterpillar. And year after year after year, it's more of the same. You try to do good and everything gets upended. You, you, you try to do what you think is right and everything is turned upside down. And he said, he said when Christ comes, hallelujah, he's going to take that harvest and he's going to give you a new harvest. And he will restore in one harvest all the years that the locust have eaten every crop that the canker worm has devoured every crop hallelujah that the palmer worm has destroyed in one harvest he's going to restore all of it to you I will restore the years that the locust hath eaten that the canker worm hath eaten that the palmer worm hath eaten and it shall come to pass in the last days saith God I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's how it's going to be when, when Christ comes. He's going he's gonna, to, in one harvest, he's going to restore everything you've lost through the years. That's a good way to describe it. He's going to come and take that old heart that's broken and give you a new heart that's filled with life. That's a good way to describe Christ. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like being in gross darkness covered with utter, outer, complete darkness. And then the light shines. It's, it's kind of like, like seeing a lion that you're sure will devour you, but he starts eating straw instead of you. That's a good way to, that's, that kind of tells the story, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of like being in a desert and you're so thirsty. And you know you'll die if you find nothing to drink. And out of the ground, a stream of pure living water. Isaiah's like, I, I, I'm trying to tell you what it's like. I'm, I'm trying to tell you what Christ is going to be like. I'm trying to explain to you what the kingdom of the Messiah is going to be. Now you fast forward hundreds of years. And you get to this man by the name of Saul. Saul was a murderous man who hated Christ and who hated Christians. And he did everything in his power to stop Christians from serving Christ. And you can't stop Christians from serving Christ.
One tyrant after another has tried. They'll just go underground and keep on preaching and keep on praying. They'll shut the windows. They'll put socks in their mouth, but they will not stop worshiping him. They will not. You can burn them, boil them, crucify them. You can persecute them, imprison them. You can assassinate and martyr, but they will pass it on to their children and their children's children, and they'll worship him forever and ever until they're 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands around the throne singing worthy is the lamb worthy is the lamb worthy is the lamb Saul was bent on murdering Christians he got documented papers that authorized him to kill them he held the coats of those that were murdering Stephen, he, he, was, he was making sure there was no inconvenience. And Stephen could be thoroughly put on display as an example of what will happen to those who serve the Lord. And he thought he was doing God's business. He was the worst kind of sinner. And one day, he was riding down the road to Damascus. He held in his hands... Papers that authorized him to do horrible, wicked deeds. But a great light, the same light that Isaiah spoke of. Here Saul was in darkness, not just, not just any old darkness, it was gross darkness. It was so dark, he thought his deeds were actually a service to God. His evil, wicked murder, he thought, was a service to God. It was such a gross darkness. But the light began to shine brighter than the darkness. He fell off of his high horse, if you please. It was so bright. He could not see. It was so bright. And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And Saul responded. He knew the power. He knew this, this has to be the God of the Old Testament. Because nobody has the power like him to do what is happening now. And he asked a, a question. He was confused. He said, who are you, Lord? He knew it was the Lord. What he didn't know was who is the Lord. Because I thought I knew who he was. I thought I was doing a service for him. So, Lord, I, I know it's you, but I guess I have a deeper question now. Who exactly are you? And the Lord said something that blew his mind. The Lord said, hallelujah. Elohim said, El Shaddai said, Elyon said, Yahweh said, the Lord said, I am Jesus. <laughs> I'm Jesus. Hallelujah. When Saul heard that, those letters are in his hand. He's guilty. He's got the evidence of his guilt. It's on his person. He was so terrified he knew for sure this was the end. He was waiting for the ball of fire. He was waiting for the earth to open up. He was waiting for an angel to come swiftly with a sword. But that's not what happened. 
the Lord Jesus said, I have chosen you. I have chosen you. If you'll obey me, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And I'm going to anoint you to preach this gospel to every nation on the earth. Hallelujah. You know, when he should have died and didn't, when he should have been swallowed up by the, by the earth opening and shutting upon him and it didn't happen, I wonder if that's the moment Paul became persuaded that nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ. I just wonder, because he, he, he walks from that experience and he walks directly into our text where a man by the name of Ananias is given an unenviable assignment and the assignment is this hey and Ananias I need you to go pray for Saul Saul what man this isn't even funny what I didn't know God had jokes I didn't know that I didn't know he was like that, but <laughs> that's really funny. He said, no. He said, I have set him apart. I'm going to do something in him that's going to blow everybody's mind. I'm going to pull him up out of the lowest of pits. I'm going to pull him out of the grossest of darkness. I'm going to deliver him from the most violent of instincts. I'm going to place my anointing on him. And you're going to have to go lay hands on him and pray for him and tell him he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and tell him I've got a way, hallelujah, a new way that his fathers have called heresy, but he's going to worship me I am the God of his fathers Ananias walks in lays his hand on him I love what he said he said brother Saul Ooh, I love that I love that he said, Brother Saul, in other words, God's already doing a work in your life. I don't hesitate to call you brother. Brother Saul, receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. And the Bible said, Saul, scales fell from his eyes. They just fell from his eyes. And he could see. And straightway. He went to the synagogues preaching Christ. That he is the son of God. Oh, hallelujah. And you'd think everybody would just start shouting. Won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I never forget, never forget what the Lord has done for me. They might have been when he walked in. But... Things kind of came to a halt when the man they had seen murder their brothers and sisters walked in among them. And the Bible said they looked upon him and he's now preaching Christ. He's saying Christ is a healer. Christ is a savior. Jesus is the Christ. He brought me up out of darkness. 
He placed me into his marvelous light, made my feet like hinds' feet, and set me up upon high places, woke me up this morning, started me on my way, put me in the right mind. Hallelujah, gave me a song to sing, put me on a rock to stay, brought me out of the miry clay. Hallelujah, he's preaching Jesus. He's preaching like an apostolic preacher. And they're all looking at him like, this doesn't make any sense. The Jews are watching him in the synagogue and they're saying, what didn't he, wasn't he, wait a minute, didn't, this is the guy, right, that, that just was killing anybody in Jerusalem. I'm talking about this man was in gross darkness. It's impossible. But then they started considering, you know, You know, it, if you think about it, go with me here. If you think about it, it does say that the lion will eat straw like the ox when Christ comes. It does say that the bear and the cow are going to, like, be together in the field. It, it does say that, that little children, infants, will play on snake holes and not fear it. It does say, it does say, doesn't it, that, that the leopard will walk with the kid. That a child shall lead ravening predators. It does say that there'll be a light shine in the gross darkness when Christ comes. When, when, when Christ comes, there will be roses blossoming in the desert. There'll be, there'll be streams in the desert and waters in the wilderness. Oh, hallelujah. It does say that, that when Christ comes, that, that the harvest that you've lost so many times and all through the years, that in one harvest, he's going to restore to you all the years that the locusts have eaten and the caterpillar and the canker worm and the palmer worm. It does say that the impossible will be made possible. And they look back at Saul and they realize, wait a minute, this... It may not make sense, but this is very Christ. It is very Christ of God to reach down, down, down into the lowest of pits and rescue somebody from something nobody else could ever see them breaking free from. It, it, it's very, very Christ. For the Lord to just reach into that marriage that's so broken it could never be restored. All that have looked upon it have cast it aside as never rebounding. But wouldn't it just be like Christ to step in and begin to heal the broken heart? And mend the broken life. And begin to put the pieces of the puzzle back together again. It would just be so Christ if he would walk into that body that is broken by cancer and ravaged by radical cells that have gone rogue through the body accumulating and cultivating 
tumors that are out of control and malignant. It would be very Christ of him to just step into those circumstances and say, I am the Lord that healeth thee. It would be very Christ for the Lord to heal, hallelujah, that chemical addiction. For the Lord to deliver from that alcohol addiction. For the Lord to heal the mind that has lost its way. For the Lord to step into your life, hallelujah, and rescue you. It would be very Christ. Well, hallelujah. There are things that are very Christ. You bring to me your difficult circumstances. I don't hesitate. I don't hesitate. There used to be a time when I would secretly wonder, can God do this? But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand, He is Christ. And He makes the crooked path straight. He exalts every valley. He abases every mountain. Hallelujah. The predators in your life, he's going to neutralize that predatory instinct. Hallelujah. He's going to give you peace with your enemies. If you turn it over to Jesus, you step into a kingdom. Hallelujah. Where the light shines all day. You step into a kingdom where joy will come in the midst of your sorrow. You step into a kingdom where peace will come in the midst of your storm. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The old man stays in the water, but the new man rises to walk in newness of life. It doesn't matter what you did, where you did it, who you were, who you were with. I'm telling you, it is very Christ of him to say, all things are passed away. All things. All things. Or become new. I need somebody who knows what I'm talking about to lift your hand. Come on, don't look at me like I'm trying to convince you. You know he's a savior. You know he's a redeemer. You know he's a healer. Come on, stand with me right now. The Holy Ghost is in this place. We're in a little bit of a courtroom. God is the judge. This is his courtroom. But we have jurors in this room that are unconvinced. They look upon the life that we claim. And they're studying it. Is that true? Is that real? Did they really get delivered from that? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm up here trying to make the case. Because eternity hangs in the balance. Souls hang in the balance. I'm trying to make the case to those who are unconvinced. Where the jury is still out. I just don't know if he can do it for me. And all I... All I know to do is say, is there a witness in this house? 
I, 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 we don't, we, we're not going to be able to pass the mic around to everybody for a testimony, but, but I wonder if you can just g- give your testimony right where you stand in praise to God. Hallelujah. I'm going to make the case that he'll wipe the tears from your eyes. I need a witness. I need a witness. I need a witness. I'm going to make the case that he'll put your family back together. I need a witness. I need a witness. I need a witness. I'm going to make the case. He'll give you peace in troubled times. I need a witness. I need a witness. Come on, the more difficult the circumstances, it is very Christ. It is very Christ. That doesn't look impossible to me. It looks like something tailor-made for the blood of Jesus to intervene. I want somebody to bring the big problem they're facing right now. Come on, right now. Bring it right now. Bring it right now. That big problem, that thing that has gotten out of control, that thing that you don't, you really don't know. You want to believe what I'm preaching to you, that God can turn it around. But you're just not sure. Come on. Come on. You're going to find this is very Christ. This is very Christ. This is one of those things. Where Christ begins to move. Where rivers will show up in the desert. <laughs> where roses will blossom in the dry and thirsty lands. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's somebody else that needs to come. There's somebody else that needs to come. Come on, I need you to bring the big stuff right now. You can bring the little stuff too, but but sometimes we bring the little stuff and we internalize the big stuff because we secretly doubt. I want you to come bring that doubt to God right now. Bring the doubt to God right now. Come on, bring the doubt to God. Come on, be honest with Him and just say, Lord, I I really want to believe. I'm just struggling to believe. I've seen people die from this disease, Lord. I'm having trouble believing. Come on, can we get real? Can we get real? This is very Christ. This is very Christ. Come on, I can't help but feel like there's somebody right now that needs to come. I don't know who it is. I don't have them in my mind. I just feel the Holy Ghost beckoning for somebody, reaching for somebody. In the name of Jesus, we're going to go ahead and sing unto the Lord. And while we do, I want everybody to begin to reach for Him in the name of Jesus. And don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Jesus wants to do something in this place. Yes, Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Oh, yes, Lord. Come on, this is a very Christ thing.
so good. So good. 